just like to see things that like haven't been done. When I can take risks and then I know that I'm expressing myself. I, I ain't never went in on the song so many times. I, you know, I listen to everybody. I listen to all kind of music. The truth is in the room. It's it, it, it's a mean TMK, Lil Tanky that could, and key to the muscle on Public Pulse Vibes. Welcome to uh, Public Pulse Vibes. I am a mean TMK along here with my co-hosts. Uh, you know them, you love them. It's Lil Tanky that could and key to the muscle. Uh, we are here to do the top 30 songs of the MF in 80s. Okay, so that's, uh, we've already done. And the Coke shall flow like rain. <laughs> Before we get started, I should say, go back and take a take a listen, okay, to our 60s and our 70s lists. Each one is a two-parter. You're going to get our top uh, 30 through 15 today, and then uh, hopefully coming up soon, we'll have the 80s uh, 15 through 1. Uh, any thoughts before we get started? Absolutely. I'm going to say some shit right now. Let's talk about it. Who you think is in here ain't fucking in here. And I don't give a fuck. W.E.S. Dollar. Okay? We went back. We listened to we did. all this music. The 80s a lot. was maybe the hardest decade Hell to yeah. pick the 30 from, man. Because it's like, what you run into is... Whereas in the 60s and the 70s, it's a billion great groups with a billion great songs. Nah, that's not the 80s. It's a lot of pop. It's a lot of pre-produced. It's a lot of packaged bubblegum bullshit. But you happen to be in the golden age of some of the greatest of all time. And them motherfuckers are skating. So what you run into is instead of 8 billion great groups... 70 great groups with 8 billion songs. I love the way that you said that because, look, I uh, I remember when we started with this, I thought the 80s was going to be a down decade for us. And again, we're going to discuss uh, where we place these decades amongst themselves against each other. But for the 80s, what we discovered, what we heard, I heard a lot of incredibly good music. It's the real shit. It's not who you think ran the 80s, but it's who really ran the 80s. And look, man, we're tastemakers, okay? As a fucking fact. We we listen to this music. We musicians ourselves. We, we You know, we dealing with this art. We dealing with this media. And uh, look, I promise you, we listen to a lot of music. And a lot of the stuff that I wanted to put on this list, when I went back and listened, it wasn't as hot. And that's what we have to do as... Um, nostalgia, man. This is like the 80s is real tough for nostalgia. Maybe the hardest for nostalgia. Because the shit you're nostalgic about in the 90s is fucking incredible. The shit you're nostalgic about in the 80s was Rubik's Cube, you know? <laughs> is this shit incredible? Pac-Man, woo! <laughs> Soft spot for Pac-Man. Excuse you. Is it incredible? Okay. Excuse you. You know, these the motherfucking it's game like developers new. like a thousand lines of code. Shit. <laughs> wow. Oh. All right. Well, look, unless we have anything else to say, let's roll up the sleeves on our blazer and get 80s popping. Number 30. 777-9311. Morris Day and the Time. 1982. So uh, this is the song that I was talking about that I thought perfect encapsulates a lot, or, or at least is a great beginning to the 80s because the first <clears throat> lines of 777-9311 is, Baby, what's, what's your, your phone, phone number? number? <laughs> I'd like to spend the night with you. I'd like to spend it. If that's all right. 
Consent anthem. Let's talk about that consent anthem. Yeah, consent absolutely. Anthem. So this is, uh, of course, Morris Day and the time. The motherfucking time. And the motherfucking time. This would be, um, whose favorite band is this again? Remind me. Uh, this is Jay and Silent Bob's. Jay and Silent Bob. Favorite motherfucking band. It's Paisley Park, you know what I'm saying? Deep in the label. Motherfuckers act like Prince and the Revolution's the only ones out there really musical. That's bullshit. In this song, the first 30 seconds hit you with some of the wildest hi-hat action you would ever seen. Oh, I have an alert. I forgot to tell you. I have an alert just for the 80s. I've been wanting to tell them about my oh, new alert just yeah. for the 80s. This 777 9311 by Morris Day and the Time is a shred alert. That's what we're going to be seeing in Fucking the 80s. Fucking shredding. Ooh, Don't think it's only these metal motherfuckers out there ripping the guitar to shred. Shredder. The shredder. <laughs> uh, maybe all that hardware's for making coleslaw. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think not only is the guitar work phenomenal, but the drummer is absolutely killing it just from the beginning. I mean, it doesn't even sound like a composition that could be done on actual drums. I mean, that's how good it is. Oh, oh sorry, this song, uh, Tupac sampled, and What's Your Phone Number? Hey, from All Eyes on Me. Yeah, so that just brings it, it all f- full circle. Got all the way up to number two on the R&B hip-hop billboard at the time. Okay, so this is, it went all the way to number two. And um, I'm sure whoever has the number 777-9311 always gets a call. I'm being a dickhead. That was something that happened in the 80s, though. And this is, yo, we got to say this too, right? This is the only, in my opinion, phone number song that works. That uh, that fucking uh, Jenny song, man. Uh, eight, six, six, seven, seven, that shit five, fucking three, sucks, man. Nine. That's nine. Not a, you don't like that, that shit? Nine. Is not hot, bro. That, not hot. Nine. You know, maybe if Jesse Johnson was like playing guitar for the motherfuckers, or like Jelly Bean Johnson was like on them drums, real instruments, real fucking music. This shit went to the to the top of the charts, but also was killing the shit. Not just like taking the piss. And just uh, another thing about this song, because I think this is, again, what it com- encompasses the 80s. The Actually, remember I was talking about the drumming. The reason it kind of sounds like that is because it is a mix between a drum machine and the actual live drummer. So you're seeing a moment in time that really does not exist anymore, like exists on one of the... And the number two song on the Billboard R&B, by the way, is being played by both the drum machine and an actual drummer, so I think that's that's pretty cool. And then, of course, like you said, uh, the time is an incredible band. The Paisley Park, all of that, the you know, the Prince era. That 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 you know, there was so many great artists coming out of that space, uh, and I, we see it here. Uh, any more thoughts on uh, on this one? Number twenty nine, Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen, nineteen eighty four. Okay, so boom. So this is actually, we have an alert. I have two alerts. Can I get my alerts going on? Can I get a pew, 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 pew. We have a decade hopper alert. Of course, we saw Leonard Cohen back in the 70s. And also, just because it's Leonard Cohen, I like to throw in it's a folk alert. Hallelujah. I, we, we actually were just listening to this song. Such an, you know, all of Leonard Cohen's songs are like very. You could do anything unique. to it, man. It's kind of wild. They're very cinematic, you know, in terms of, you know, overlaying this song on, you know, uh, in, any type of media. So uh, thoughts on Hallelujah, Leonard I think Cohen. it's the versatility that really fucks me up about this track, right? Like, I was watching this track as literally uh, a performer did a pole dance number to this shit, right? And it's not even necessarily what you would think. It's just this quiet, bassy, 
sensual vulnerability, right? With just incredible word thrift. Every word that's in there, you understand it should be there. It's a lot of cats be trying to come at that style. I think like Tom Waits and such, and like that shit really never land for me. But like Leonard Cohen, man, he able to hit that shit on a level where it, it really it it sounds like it should be gospel. It kind of yeah, it so is gospel. To that, to way. that. Uh... So remember, Hallelujah has gone through many different. This is like the original Hallelujah, right? So there's like bunch a bunch of different ones. Jeff Buckley's was very big, but in this one, it's on a twelve eight time signature, which is very early rock gospel music. So that's why you kind of catching that, uh, you know. And of course, you know, we remember we were talking about keys. You know, it's in the key of C major. I'm the chord position. You're <laughs> matching the lyrics from the song. I expect you miss living in a castle, don't you? It's definitely a, a spiritually moving song. I mean, you're going to kind of feel a little tingle in your, uh, in your soul. Absolutely. And this is why I love Leonard Cohen. And that's why I hate most of the covers that especially Christians try to do of this song because he's he's Jewish. This song is very Jewish. Um, and the way he talks about like different progressions, the way the lyrics are moving, but it's also kind of this quote that he talks about that there is a religious hallelujah, but there are many other ones. When one looks at the world, there's only one thing to say, and it's hallelujah. And that's this song. Like, there's so much to be grateful for and confused about, but there's still a wonder in the world that Which, we can appreciate. And if I can, for those some, uh, <laughs> it's interesting to me this word because people say it and they don't understand it is a, a whole Jewish sentence. Hallelujah means blessings of Yah. You know what I'm saying? Glory to Yah. Right. So like it's the kind of thing where it's like just this is life. Right. Like praise to the Creator. And, and that's an interesting thing because, like, that, that to me, it takes the song in a whole nother level about, like, as all the events are happening in this song, you know what I'm saying? It's just, like, it's a song of great thanks. And, and But at the same time, it's incredibly, it's not thin, right? It's not austere. It, it's a thankful song, but it's still sensuality there. There's sexuality there. There's humility there. Number 28, Prophets of Rage. Public Enemy, 1988. Okay, so we have, of course, I'm going to go ahead. This is not an alert, but this is very important. This song is very important. I think you know why. This is our first official rap song of all of these lists. This is the first. Rap has entered the motherfucking chat. The motherfucking chat. And uh, it's going to be here for quite some time. Now, I have a couple things I want to say about this song first. Number one, me and Lil Tanky, we sat and had this conversation. I said, bro, you my OG. Can you please tell me the hottest rap in the 80s? And he looked at me like I had just asked him, when are Santa Claus going to bring the presents to the tree? And he just had to tell me, there's not that much good rap in no. the 80s, and It's my definitely going to be some dickhead in the fucking DMs on the messages. Oh, well, uh, rap started uh, with the Sugar Hill Gang in the 70s. Look, man, that shit sucked. <laughs> okay? And most of the rap in the fucking 80s sucked. Okay? LL fucking sucked. Okay? The Beastie Boys in the 80s fucking sucked. All that shit sucked. And I think it's so funny that you bring that up because this song in particularly has a line in it uh which is i'm not balling i'm just calling and i'm past the days of yes y'allin that really was what the 
hip-hop community was, you know, pre-1987. I mean, it really was just, you know, yes, yes, y'all, and it don't stop. And, you know, that's not really what we... Run again, DMC, man. I right. Mean, you, you can't know, go back stages. and listen to that shit unironically, It's like man. the Buddy Holly of the fucking rap game. It's like, it's kind of pre-rap. It's not even really what it is today. But this song particularly, not only, not only is the beat dope as shit... The scratching is some of the best in the game. You know, I'm not a big scratch, fan of scratching. My fucking it, sta- it should belong. It stays in the '80s. It should have stayed in the '80s. Wow. But this is some of the best that I've ever heard. Okay, the views of I mean TMK. Yeah, do, do not, not represent. Absolutely <laughs> represent the yeah. views of. I'm because sure. I love the ra- like love the raw sound. Of- you just can't get it because everything's so cleaned up in music. I get it, man. That's the thing, man. Real millennials are digital babies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they can't give love to the analog. That's I right. Get I'm a it, real man. millennial. I'm the millennial. Not a cusp. King Zaddy millennial. Yeah, I'm not a cusp. I'm full grown millennial king. Reagan baby, 80s baby, right in the middle. <laughs> Records are for breaking, not for scratching That's ass. That <laughs> ass. That's a fact. So just real quickly about A Public Enemy, because, I, again, I highly recommend. I think this is what, uh, clearly it's in our top 30. You know, again, not only is the the lyrics very poignant, you know what I'm saying, very radical, of course, which is going to give the bonus points. But I just think in terms of what Chuck D was doing with the bars, like not only was he doing it, but like the the his own sort of repeats, like almost the ad libs. It's like this proto ad lib that he's using where it's just like kind of repeating the last line. Like people was not really doing that in the 80s. It sounds well mixed. It yeah, sounds sonically mastered. compelling. Sonically compelling. It's not masturbatory. And I think this was a big problem with uh, early rap music right. and all that Yes Y'all and shit. Like right. it was very masturbatory and like really only for the club. It didn't really translate um, into like, you know, and NWA is probably another uh, group right. in the 80s, I would say, like, they right. did very good <laughs> Absolutely. rap music that wasn't, like, corny and, and right. just... Uh, now, that's not to say there was no lyricism, but understand, and please hear me, this motherfucker, okay? Because if you ain't got a fucking book that was published, okay, across the fucking country, don't talk to me about fucking the poetry of the fucking music, okay? Yes, there were some strong lyricists in the 80s. Rakim. S- still, they weren't necessarily yeah. making good music. Right. You need to hear me on this. All right, back to it. I'm not saying Rakim's a, not a great lyricist. He's in a, maybe the greatest He's lyricist great, of all time. But the music wasn't very good. Um, and that certainly doesn't belong uh, on our top 30 list. But uh, this absolutely does. Um, just another thing, Prophets of Rage was later a band yeah. uh, formed a by... A super group. A super group, yes. Uh, with some members of Rage Against the Machine, Machine Audio Slave, Chuck D, and DJ Lord. Uh, they only lasted about a year because then I think... Rage Against the Machines got back together. I'm not sure, but... Yeah, uh, we was waiting for Zach to get out of his contract. So, boom. Any more thoughts? Yeah, shit is very interesting. Uh, Public Enemy is difficult for me because they were one of my favorite bands, of course. And you just watch how much they've fallen off, you know, politically, you know, to the point whereas Chuck D's yelling at motherfucking Flavor Flav, who's always been who the fuck he is, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, you don't want to vote for Bernie. And Bernie, like, uh, yo, none of this shit is really that radical. Like, when fucking Flavor Flav has the more radical position than fucking Chuck D, it's just your heart breaking into a billion fucking pieces. Let's move on. I, I'm fucking crap this Number 27, When Doves Cry, Prince, 1984. So, okay, so again, uh, let's go ahead and just give an alert. Not that we need an alert, but, like, let's give a decade hopper alert. 
Uh, this is probably one of the most famous songs, if not the most famous song of the 80s. And to your point, remember you were talking about you know, Public Enemy and Chuck D falling off. Prince kind of didn't, man. Not at all. Prince, Prince kind of kept a G <gasps> oh, to the way. very motherfucking end. Is again, this is why I like to defend Prince Decade as much Hopper. as possible. What, 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 what do you want to say about this song? Some of the greatest guitar Just, shredding exactly. of all time. Oh, shred alert too. Yeah, shred alert. Sh- shred alert. Shred. You know what I'm saying? Writing alert. Yeah. Uh, artist of the decade alert. You know, potentially. Uh, that name is going to be artist of album, greatest artist of all maybe time. Great, one of the greatest albums of all time of in all Purple time. Rain. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's so many different things yeah. you could say about this. It's so funny because I remember, you know, being a young kid when this shit was out. Before this shit dropped, it was kind of like a conversation. Like, well, who you think is going to get it? Is it going to be Michael? Or is it going to be fucking Prince? And then Michael dropped fucking Thriller. And everybody was like, oh, shit. It's a rap. It's a rap. Nothing could ever. And then, like, the next year. 84. The hate Michael Jackson still yeah. in his heyday. Let's be real, right? You know, you know, not right. to make it a rivalry, but that year, Prince first ever Billboard number one for five weeks. A new power has awakened in the eyes of God. <laughs> I have to give a shout out to Bone Thugs and Harmony for you know using this for when thugs when cry. Thugs cry. It's very real. Number twenty six. Owner of a Lonely Heart. Yes, 1983. Owner of a Lonely Heart. Owner of a Lonely Heart. Much better than the owner of a broken heart. That's how I live my life, by the way, okay? That just by through that exact lyric, okay? Owner of a Lonely Heart. Much better than the owner of a broken heart. Let's talk about them. It's not a no, it's a yes. This is when sad boys go wrong, man. But there was a lot of sad boy shit in the 80s. Hell yes. This shit is an earworm, whether you want it to be or not. And it is, it's got some interesting chords, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, this is the British progressive rock band, yes. I expect you miss living in a castle, don't you? From their 11th studio album and he been putting in work. Yo, why they sound like the way you think Sting sounds, right? Like, this is like, you think it's the police, but it's really not. It's yes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think they're the better, they are what the police were trying to do, you know? It's this dance rock kind of feel. I love it. I think it's amazing. You know what was fun about the 80s? This is the last one where we changed the methodology for how we came up with what we had. And uh, everybody had a one one uh, recall song, right? Like, if it didn't make it through, it's like, okay, this is the song I'm going to advocate for. And uh, this was definitely TMK's advocate yeah, song. absolutely. I mean, and I think it goes to sort of, like, the idea of what embodies the 80s. This was, like, one of those, like, one of the right. first songs that was really being played. It, it, it is. And it, yeah, no, I mean, it absolutely is. It wasn't, it's like one of those songs that wasn't meant to be a hit, because the original version is like nine minutes long. And then for the UK single, it was like four minutes and 50 seconds. And then for America, it needed to be like two minutes and 50 seconds or something like that. So it was it has that type of effect where it's like it's sort of indie in a lot of ways that kind of made it really big. And uh, it, and what I'm saying is why it embodied the 80s so much is one of the early songs that was being played on MTV like over and over and over and over and over again. So, you know, MTV, I thought, had the, uh, their biggest impact in the 80s um, when it was actually kind of cool to be on MTV. And it wasn't just like 19-year-olds 
pulling pranks on each other or, or whatever. Oh, look they're at they don't play defense now, head ass. Old head motherfucker now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I am an old head when it comes to music television. I think music television should have fucking music on there. That's I guess I'm an old ass man. <laughs> Number 25. Sign your name. Terrence Trent Darby. 1987. This is the one I had to use my challenge for. Man. This yeah. is the one where I was like, this song is so unique and different and just beautiful. I, we have to have it. It's so important to the 80s. Formerly known as Ter- Terrence Trent Darby, now known as Sonata Maitreya. Okay. Uh, this is coming out in 87. This is number four on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 from a U. K artist. What I love about this nigga, man, he out his album dropped and he's like, this is the best. This I this is the I am better than the Beatles. And like white people crucifying this nigga for saying that shit. But objectively, uh, You know how we feel is. about it. Yeah. It way, way, is. way, way better. And what's funny is you hear this voice, this this voice, this angelic register, and you think, oh, this old soft, fruity tooty yeah, whatever the fuck. Yo, but this motherfucker was a Golden Gloves winner, bro. Wow. Nice with the mitts. Yeah, challenge. Real nice. We call call him Saw, please. Yeah, look, it it, it, was, it was number one in Ireland. How about that? It was number number His two voice haunts me. in I, the Netherlands. I mean, this is all over the UK. Every single chart I'm seeing, the Swedish, the Swiss. You know, adult contemporary, dance club, top 100, Australia. It peaked at three in Australia, five in Canada. I mean, it's just one of them songs that, I, again, it's a lot of swag. It's a lot of sexiness. And it's something that I think the 80s and the 2000s kind of do. They're weird sort of transitional decades. So you get these, like you said, very unique songs. We were like, what exactly is this again? Who sing this song today, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe Frank, right? Maybe. Ooh, yeah, Frank I think Ocean? Frank would that be... That would be interesting. Yeah. Frank Ocean. I feel like Terrence Trent Darby maybe had... Uh, Sonata uh, has the greatest male voice maybe I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Number 24, Princes of the Universe, Queen, 1986. Hey, y'all gonna go ahead and make a fucking baby to that song. Hey, be careful. We'll listen to that shit, man. It's powers. <laughs> Okay, so I have an alert. I have an alert. Maybe you thought you wasn't going to see this band. Of course, of course, we had to do it. We had to do it. Uh, we were going to see we did this it. band. You talk about greatest musicians of the decade. And, and potentially greatest male voice of all time. Mm-hmm. You see what we sang yeah. with the 80s, man? Yeah. All these, and then we just had Prince, greatest male voice. I mean, like. So we got Prince doing a lot of heavy lifting in the 80s. Let's talk about another heavy lifter in the 80s. And before we even get started, I have an alert. Okay, this is the 80s alert. Shred alert. Oh, Shredder. The Shredder. Is this hey, was this one of the ones that was off There Can Only Highlander. Be One? Yeah. There can yeah. Be it's there the can be best one. music oh soundtrack to the um, worst ever. fucking movie. That film of all. It's the worst. It's I mean, I it's one of those movies where someone tells you like Hey, this movie is gonna be really bad, and you're like, "All right, all right." And then you watch it, and you're like, "Wow, this nonsensical, dead ass nonsensical." But the music, like you said, the Queen, phenomenal. I know his name. 
Just so, immediately. I mean, it's such an iconic riff. Yeah, what's the... I, I love the line in the movie where he's like, it's better to burn out <laughs> than to fade away. Of course we have to have that in the actual fucking song. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, again, I think it's just Freddie Mercury doing his motherfucking thing. Real G shit, though, man. If you ain't never sat there with your boys and looked them in the eyes and said, we the princes of the universe. You gotta have... Sometimes you just gotta feel right. that way. I think Freddie Mercury has the coolest pictures of, like, someone doing a concert. Like, every time I see a picture of him doing a concert, it's like 80,000 people in the fucking audience, man. And he's destroying it. The god of arena rock. Okay, but also the god of. If you start, if a Queen song starts playing, if you're in the car, everybody knows the lyrics to. Freddie Mercury's music uh, to Queen's music even though they're like I don't remember when I heard it but we all sing man. along to that shit yeah so that's a fucking I remember it was one time at Southern Fried man all of us was in there and uh, which one was, it was the uh, the one off Wayne's World everybody's just started every 50 niggas in the fucking Bohemian Rhapsody Bohemian Rhapsody everybody's singing that shit immediately and uh, that may be coming back a little bit later one more thing I want to say about Freddie Mercury because I, I, I respect games so much this motherfucker had Princess Die out there busting it open at these wild-ass house parties where all the drugs go. She's on weed. Everybody off in there. I mean, on some real Stanley Kubrick eyes wide shut shit, man. Number 23, Gun, Soundgarden, 1989. I have an alert. I have an alert. And this is the 80s alert, but especially for this motherfucking song. Let's talk about it. Shredding alert. Shredder. Also, alert, decade, hopper. This is Gun by Soundgarden. Fuck him up. Thoughts on this song? This is a real turn of song. Would you say this is metal? We talked about, no. Oh, no, okay. This is the intro. I mean, you could this is grunge. argument. This is the introduction of grunge. Grunge, right. This is the first grunge, grunge alert. This made our shit. So, Ralph, so. motherfucker's a pioneer. We have Prophets of Rage. That's our first hip hop. So now we have Gun by Soundgarden. Soundgarden, like I said, Decade Alert. And Chris Cornell is part of Prophets of Rage. Wow. That really was a motherfucking uh, dream team right there. Yeah, uh, I I think again, Soundgarden is another one of those bands that very similar to Queen. Like I had heard their biggest hits, you know, like and they were so big in the nineties. I got an idea, something we can do with a gun. What? Yeah, it's just delightfully, uh, delight delightfully macabre. Yeah, macabre in that way. There, we, more, people are listening to more music now than they ever have ever in the history of their lives. So it is kind of incredible that we're able to like go back and listen to every single album, you know. And I think that's the only way you can kind of do a list like this if you're like streaming as much music as possible. Mm-hmm. But but it does kind of suck, you know, because streaming really doesn't pay the artists. But Soundgarden, Gun, any any last thoughts before we move on? I mean, just to what you're saying about the more music than ever, man. Do do think about this and you know, all of the disadvantages of living in this uh, dystopia, you have better access to mass media and music than fucking Julius Caesar did. And he was like emperor of the fucking yeah. Roman Empire. And he couldn't eat ice cream and smoke weed either. That's a so fact. fuck you. Yeah, fuck you, Julius. <laughs> yeah, I won, you bitch. Number 22. Back to life. However do you want me? Soul to soul, Karen Wheeler. 
1989. Everybody's list. Bro. Here. The Reggae Philharmonic Orchestra. Yeah, that's to really let you know. And and actually, what's so funny is once they started working with them, like they didn't want to stop working with them. It was like, you know, I'll just keep doing our music. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is kind of like that precursor to like what R&B is going to kind of look like moving forward into the 90s. Uh, it actually it, it won them Grammy Award for Best R&B Performance by a or Group. Very funky, very kind of dirty, kind of hip hoppy, you know. And then later on, you know, these guys that are working with them go on to form Massive Attack. Like the way that wow. they're using these loops and just. Which would be trip hop, yes? Yeah. All right. Huge and, and also, this song is just dead ass sexy. Shit is so. However, right. do you want me? Consent anthem. However, do you need me? Let's talk about it. <laughs> In the 80s, I bet clubbing, being a hot girl in the 80s, oh, my God, I bet it was absolutely uh, a ball, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it, it both encapsulates the 80s, but also just kind of similar to the to the, to the Gun by Soundgarden. We're now seeing that influence of that, the not, what's going to happen. And it's going to be a storm coming in the 90s. Right. Gun is 89. Back to Life is 89. Yeah, yeah both of them. Number 21. I dreamed a dream, Sonic Youth, 1982. Okay, I have to say something about this song. Okay, this song comes out in 1982. This has to be, this is a new one I made up just for Sonic Youth. This is only, and I'm going to see if I can find something, but this is a way ahead of its time alert I Dreamed a Dream, Sonic Youth, 1982. This doesn't sound like anything, man. Hey, look, man, my love for Nirvana led me back to Sonic Youth because Kurt Cobain was always talking about Sonic Youth. Fuck, I thought they was from Seattle. He was talking about Sonic Youth so much. The politics, the delivery Mm. of this shit, it's not like no other kind of rock, man. I mean, they are so important, I mean, to the whole grunge scene that's about to emerge. You know how we, when we first started this whole journey, we talked about the difference between uh, classic, what was it, foundational and... Um, classic. Classic. They are fucking foundational to American rock for what comes in the next 20 years, man. And the politics is off the fucking chain. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do for us girls? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, like, I, I mean, got a question for all you corporate, male, white. Like, what? And I mean, Hillary Clinton has never said nothing that fucking strong. And this kind of goes back to, I think, the conversation that we're always having about Taylor Swift. It's like, you, you need to acknowledge that. Take this, some real shots. This You're not saying anything. You're not doing anything. I mean, these are conversations about, again, white male patriarchy in a, in a like an industrial, like sometimes muddy, dirty kind of, uh, you know, uh, surrounding background. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't really sound like anything. But the politics and just fucking youth. Working youth. Fucking youth. I mean, it's just like that idea of like, look at all these kids out here. I mean, they really embodied like, look at all these fucking kids out here with no Man. job and with their piercings and with their, you know what I mean? Like that was Gen X for me. You know, when I think Hell about yeah. Gen X, like that's what I think. They, I feel like they definitely, they're like low keto, right? Like Gen, Gen X really holds motherfucking, you know what I'm saying, Sonic Youth in this very, and, and I seen them live once at Memphis in May. 
And I was just like, oh, shit. Like, I had heard about them so long. But when I, the first time I actually heard them was seeing them live. And I was just blown. I immediately had to go to the crates for this shit. Number 20, Hannibal Santana, 1987. Now, remind me here, because I may have forgot. I forgot, did we have Santana in any of our previous, did he make no. 60? Now, that's now, interesting listen, to me. It was they were in the list. For a lot in the, of it, yeah. That's exactly it. He was so close in the 60s, so close in the 70s, and yeah. it just didn't make the fucking cut. But here, here he is. Yeah, I mean, this, we talk about this, has this, like, I, I do want to say alert, instrumental alert, even though there's some chanting involved. But to me, that's, you know, it's still more on the vibe. It's still voice as an instrument instead of, like, words, you know, and kind of thing. So Very shamanistic. Very shamanistic. I mean, it's very indigenous feeling. Yeah, you get the djembe off in there. Crazy drums. And there's one more alert. It's the 80s alert. Shred alert. The shredder. I mean, we're talking oh, about... Oh, you thought Santana wasn't going to do it with that ting? With that Ooh, motherfucking ting? Yeah. It hurt you with that ting. <laughs> it's another fucking... Ba- See, this is what I'm saying, man. The 80s music, man, the real hot shit. You be making babies to this shit, man. This Santana <laughs> shit is sexual, it's ri- spiritually ritualistic. I'm telling you, man. We were talking about house music and, like, why house music is created. Like, you can imagine yourself just being in a big warehouse with 300 other human beings, and you're just jumping it's, around, it's, losing it's, yourself. It's, you know? Exactly. Oh, my God, I'm turned up. Give me more drugs. Yay. Make out with a stranger. I assume that's what right. happens. I, you know, I don't know. A little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but this song. It was this, a different time. <laughs> this song, it's not that house kind of like get high type shit, but like you said, that shamanistic, like, yo, what if we was all like just <laughs> in out Zion. <laughs> exactly. In Zion. No, that's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah, all in some white linen in that bitch, just turning up, dancing. Number 19, War of the Hearts, Sade, 1985. All right, so, uh, I, I, of course, I, I got to say this is an alert. This is an alert, decade hopper alert. I think you might see Sade a little bit later. Uh, because I look, I be you know, there's a lot of bad takes on Twitter. Okay, there's a lot of bad takes on Twitter. It's just people out there with their, you know, with their opinions. But one of the worst hot takes I've been hearing lately is like Sade is a little bit overrated, and it's just so ridiculous to me. And I just want to say this because you know we talk about rom coms, right? And like why we sort of move away from movies that like see love in this very like basic gender role, like puritanical nuclear family-esque kind of way like Sade does a really good job of being freaky and also trying to keep it real you know so so War of Hearts is a, a couple of lyrics just wanted to pull out here who's calling the shots one of us must make the peace to have or to have not the fire has got to cease. It's that soft with that real. Yo, we're beefing right now. You know we both missing each other. Someone's going to have to call a shot and either say we're doing something, we're getting back together, or it's over. And I just think I relate to that so, so much, much as a grown adult. That. So much maturity yeah. in that. As opposed to like the era of could have had a bad bitch, noncommittal. Oh, you ain't had no problems? You ain't do nothing wrong in a relationship? This is a real grown-up way to be like, look, man, shit. And hey, look. I'm going to say this because my, for all the motherfuckers talking about Sade is overrated. What? You need to hear me on this. Sade put out significantly better music 
than Whitney Houston in the 80s. It's, again, the same mistake you might make in hip-hop. Whitney Houston has the greatest instrument of all time, but that does not give her the best music She's like the Rakim of R&B. Absolutely. Like, Rakim's lyrics are so damn good, and Whitney's... Uh, are not, you know, you know <laughs> well, right? Not. But it's the exact opposite because Whitney's voice is so great, but then R and Kim, you know, R Kim, the music is so meh, and it just goes back to this point of like, Shade is putting out complete projects, right? And you know, frankly, you know, when you talk about the greatest of the '80s, when it comes to the shit that I would listen to. Ah, Whitney's not on there. I'm your baby tonight. It does not hold up. I'm sorry. If you're not like going to sixth grade. Your sixth grade dance. Number 18, Plain Song, The Cure, 1989. All right, so what we have an alert. Okay, Decade Hopper alert. We saw this they group back. in the 70s, they but that, that was just a, a we're so good, we peaked. Uh, we, we went ahead and peaked before we peaked, but this is the real peak. This is from uh, the classic album, Disintegration. 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 It's an eighth studio album uh, uh, from English rock band The Cure, uh, released in 1989 by Fiction Records. I think this one has lots of songs we could have uh, picked from. This is maybe some of the best sad boy alert music this in the game. This is the real god of sad boys. Yeah. Talk, yeah. talk about it. What are y'all thoughts on um, I mean, on this one here? This song always surprises me. I <laughs> I know my memory is a little shaky at the best of times. But this song, I we start listening to it, and then I'm always asking Tanky over here, like, who is this? And he's like, you ask that every time. But I, it's so unexpected the whole song and this song is an adventure because and I think that's why it always surprises me because I think I'm listening to a different song and then there's a turn about like three minutes and then six minutes in and it's like whoa okay I was listening to something else and let me replay that 1000% is theatrical and he moves you through shit look the cure man the same way I was talking about like how queen being a little hood black boy and it's like look nigga I listen to queen I don't really give a fuck what you feel about that the Cure is the same way, man. I'd never seen the kind of emotional... The only person you could compare him to is, like, he's the British white version of Prince. When you start looking at the emotional complexity of the shit you're talking about, where you're at in relationships, this is a person who breaks hearts. This is a person whose heart is broken, you know? I mean, and it's so... The song is slow, the pace meanders in a way that invites entrancement. The musicality of like kind of what they're doing, like that heavy synth, these these big grand noises, like the, the, this big sonic There soundscape. is no emo without The Cure. No fucking way. Yeah, and it's kind of one of the things where it's like kind of hasn't been done as well since. You know, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's like, it's like, it's like a, it's like, psychedelic but a little sad you know it's 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 psychedelic love song really i mean and again the the it's going to take you to that place you know sad boy music 
and it's foundational again for many of the artists that we're going to see coming on later they're very deeply influenced by the things that the cure is doing as far as their musical soundscapes it's music to escape this universe too and this song is quintessential cure number 17 tom sawyer rush 1981 of course the uk rock bands we've had our you know our sound garden the american rock bands how about get some canada yeah yeah hi, okay drake here. all right uh dreezy uh just to uh rush we gonna rush right out to get that this is one of them songs that's just uniquely 80 80s it doesn't really sound kind of like anything else rush had been doing their thing since the 60s, my guy. Yeah, that shit yeah. didn't really hit. This shit did not hit for <laughs> they me. They had a we couple tried. ones. It was uh, nah, no, in the 70s, maybe. Right. The 60s, the 60s was, bad. was bad. The 70s was more missed than hit. You know what I'm saying? It's but like they, how you never want to. Yeah, it's, you know what, what it really is? It's like, you know how when you put out your art really early? You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, you remember your fact. first chapbooks or whatever? I'm sure they're like not that great. Like, my first music, like, my first shit is not that good. I mean, to your point, right? The Cure in the 70s sounds nothing like the yeah, Cure they're, in they're the 80s. Yeah, they're punk. Nump, nump, more people. You know what I mean? And now <laughs> this it's don't you clash. But this, remember we talked about in 777-9311 how they're both using like the drum machine and the actual drum. Right. Like I, this song, it just got so much going on. It just opened up to like pew. This was the shot across the bow for real drumming. And it's like fuck yeah. all that synth shit. See me on this shit. Yeah, and Rush definitely has a, a claim to one of the best drummers, one of, of the best all time of all time. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I think this just this is their song. I don't know what the lyrics necessarily mean. I I don't really know a whole lot about what's going on in the song, but it's just something about I had it. So much natural resistance because as a kid, I'm like, you know, fuck Tom Sawyer, man, fuck all that shit, man. I don't like I don't like Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, all that shit. Yeah, yeah, but um, it's so funny. We so the, we talked about you know guitar solos and you know guitars so far. So Alec Lifeson, who's the guitarist in Tom Sawyer, he's like, you know, they were asking like, how did you come up with this? And he says, I winged it. Honest, I came in, I did five takes, and wow. then I went off and had a cigarette. Um, at <laughs> I'm at my best the first two takes. After that, I overthink everything and lose the spark. Actually. The solo you hear is composed together from various takes. As we see, you always have the Franken Frankenverse. Oh, their sound engineer wow. is amazing. Hey, sh- hey, another thing. Shout out to the fucking sound engineers out there. The mixers, the masters. Uh, you the motherfuckers, master. the real heroes. You're the real heroes, man. The music doesn't happen without them. We're learning a lot about how important that is in music. But y'all see where we going with this shit? Rush. The Cure. Sade. Santana. Sonic Youth. Soundgarden. Queen, Soul to Soul. These are some of the most iconic bands of all time. And that's what the 80s is giving you. So y'all were, y'all ready to close off this episode? Uh, y'all ready to do that? Let's, Let's get it. Number 16, Moments of Love, Art of Noise, 1985. So we have an alert. <laughs> this is an instrumental alert. I know you've heard this song. Yeah, so you know. You know you heard it. Oh my god, y'all foolish man. This song will live forever, man. Yo, I literally heard this song remixed into a hip hop track. What? This fucking week, man. 
Yeah, the song lives on. Um, uh, so, yeah, so instrumental alert. Thank you so much for the background. You know, I, I appreciate it. Hey, if you motherfuckers listen along and you didn't do the song, you ain't cool, man. Yeah, you're not cool, <laughs> man. Not you got to be a little extra to be cool. Not fucking cool. You had to be a little, you know how we always tell the, the 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 youth, you know, sometimes we work with the youth. Hey, if you want to be an artist, you have to do too much. You have oh, to be extra, yeah. you know, and hey, that just being that in your everyday life, I promise you're going to feel better. So real quickly, it was uh, this uh, instrumental was or put together and composed by a, a couple different people because it is a pretty cool this shit is like what, 14 fucking minutes yeah, ten, long, 10 minutes bro? and 19 God seconds. Damn. Yeah. So Ann Dudley, Trevor Horn, J.J. Jazelik, uh, Gary Langan and Paul Morley. And just real quickly about uh, Ann Dudley again. Uh, uh, one of the composers uh, for this instrumental. Um, she's an English composer, keyboardist, conductor, and pop musician. But this is what's crazy, right? She was the first BCC concert orchestra composer in association of all time. The person who wrote this song, she then later worked on the score for the full Monty and the film version of Les Miserables. I expect you miss living in a castle, don't you? So, um, you know, it's just kind of interesting how, like, this type of, like, this type of music. Again, this feels like one of those songs, and the 80s does it so well. Like, this song was never really meant to be a hit. It never was meant to be, like, some huge genre, decade-defining song, but it just kind of came into that. And, you know, it's just, like, it's just mysterious, and it's sexy, and it's... Like you it just sounds different than whatever else you would hear. We t- we've talked about this before too. How a lot of times it's hard to get into music that's recently released because it just sounds like everything else. And this one was absolutely playing with digital sampler technology, um, and that you know the band itself was certainly trying to be faceless they didn't want to be associated as a name so they didn't like let people know who the individuals were uh, which is great that tmk announced who they are you're damn right blowing up the spot <laughs> and look I, you know i gotta give people their flowers man yeah you know what i mean this song's crazy and the fact that you know and again i think i just go back to the music industry is full of all of these people that like you never see you never hear about nothing but like through all of the 80s man there's so many people Working, it, it really is one of those uh, decades of the band and and as the the group and the the composition and there's so much going on now in the '80s with production and you know we're talking about you know not you know the studio musician is now also a a producer in their own right so you, you just seen I think this is a great way to just kind of end off because it's like. You know, the 80s, kind of off kilter, but, you know, very classic, very... It's still deeply sensual, man. It, I mean, it's definitely something that could be playing on my yacht as I cruise through the Caribbean. It definitely is one of those songs where I want, like, a silhouette of, like, my naked lover, you right. know? <laughs> that's that's what this song is. Um, yeah, so any any final thoughts before I wrap up uh, here with our part Yo, one? Yo, this is just the first 15. And it's a lot of people you haven't seen. Some of them may be coming. Some of them may not. Some of some of them you may think we may think they're trash, and we're not gonna put them on our list. Shit might not really be that hot. Yes, man's not hot. So if you have a problem with that, go on Public Pulse Vibes, okay, on Instagram, and follow us. 
Uh, you can also hit us up on our Patreon. Y'all, we have a Patreon. We know you out there listening. Patreon slash Public Pulse. Uh, we got deals. We got deals out here. Uh, as low as five dollars um support support us you know we doing independent media um i mean tmk little tanky that could key to the muscle any, any more thoughts before we get the fudge out of here on the seven i'm the 80s excuse me i expect you miss living in a castle don't you the shredder the shredder <laughs> uh maybe all that hardware is for making coleslaw Um, ever. That film sucks.